Welcome to the Positive Method Podcast, where I, your host, nutritionist Hannah Alderson, talk to inspirational women about health, hormones, happiness, and everything in between. It's fabulous to have you here, and I really hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, I have the honor of talking to Lucinda Miller, nutritional therapist, functional medicine practitioner, and clinical lead of Nature Doc, a UK-wide nutritional therapy and functional medicine team specializing in children's and women's health. Lucinda is an author of two best-selling family cookbooks, to which I own both of them and refer to them on nearly a daily basis, The Good Stuff and I Can't Believe It's Baby Food. She also runs an online health store, Nature Doc Shop, and Lucinda is a mum of three and lives in Wiltshire. Lucinda has been such a support of my own career as a nutritionist and has always been at the end of the phone with my questions and queries when it's come to the nutrition and health advice for my little ones, Otis and Dusty. In this episode, we talk about supporting hormones of the next generation, those little women growing up in our families. We also talk about ultra-processed food, how nutrition and lifestyle can positively impact a child's health, and also their mental well-being. So if you've got children, particularly young girls in your family, this one is a must. I hope you enjoy it. So lovely to see you. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's I've recorded some great episodes and it's such an honour to talk to you. I think it's a really important subject um, that I'm getting asked about more with the women I work with, with younger children. And what about all this stuff you're telling me about my hormones? What about my children when they're going through puberty, university, and if there are grandchildren involved? It's, um, I think, a really interesting topic that people don't know that much about, I think, which is really interesting. Um, So it's so, so great that I can talk to you today. So thank you so much. So it's lovely to be here, Hannah. Oh, wonderful. So let's start at the very beginning. I always ask my guests, you know, what do you do for your morning routine? Are you a big breakfast person? I'm sure that you are. Do you do a walk in the morning? What tends to be your morning routine? What do you tend to have for your breakfast? So, yes, um, I'm not a massive morning person. And therefore, I feel that's where I need to put most of my input in for giving me energy for the day. Yeah. It's almost like I need to get my engine working, you know, cranked up for the day. So um, obviously it's always um, work in progress with these morning routines and it doesn't happen, you know, every single day um, because there's always chops and changes and times where you have to get up early or whatever or weekends where you might stay in bed for a bit longer. But generally what I'm trying to do is sleepy in bed, try and do some deep breathing exercises, lots wow. of nasal breathing to get sort of my brain woken up. And then I will probably do about 10 minutes of little weights and exercises in my pajamas oh, so nice. that there's no distraction. <laughs> um, so little press ups and, you know, little arm curls and things like that. And then um, I will have a shower followed by a cold blast. Do you do that? I've, I've tried it. I've done cold water swimming before, but actually doing it in the shower, I need to get the I need to get the mindset to be able to do it. I just, I can't do it, especially in this weather. Do you do it every day? P- 
pretty much every day and it's wow. made such a phenomenal difference. So I have a background of a thyroid, autoimmune yeah. thyroid condition called Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. And one of my big things was I always had a very low body temperature. So I was always very cold. Even in the summer, I was wearing two or three jumpers. And now I have a pretty normal um, body temperature, which is very exciting. And I put it down to that. And how long are you in the cold? Is it a minute? Is it 30 seconds with the cold shower? Probably 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll try yeah. it tomorrow. Um, and do you, what's the, so the connection with stimulator, is it sort of helping with, um, in terms of that relationship with thyroid, um, is there research into that? So I didn't know the link between sort of cold water moments and um, thyroid support. Is that, um, is that sort of the link between the two, why it's been helping? Well, the very first, almost the very first thing I learned at naturopathic college 27 years ago was you know the phenomenal powers of you know being outside light yeah. um but also water therapy and um so it's always been there in my sort of you know sort of almost in my dna now because i've been doing it for so long yeah but you know the fact that you know going from cold to hot basically stimulates the the circulation mm. and a lot you know if you've been in bed for i know eight hours overnight you've been pretty stagnant so actually your lymphatic system um and your circulation needs a bit of a boost so it's great and it's that and, and it basically just for me just makes me feel really wide awake without needing to have coffee or whatever so. absolutely and i suppose that's not a you don't have to go off to a club or drive to go find a lake. You can just do it in your shower, which most people have, which is a really good way of introducing that. Maybe I'll give that a go. Amazing. And breakfast, are you, um, what's your top thing for breakfast? You have some incredible breakfast recipes in your books, um, which are a big feature of my family um, kitchen around the table. But is there one um, sort of breakfast that you tend to really uh, lean towards? Well, again, I've because of the thyroid, I've been doing a lot of work on my gut. Yeah. And one of the things that often people experience is constipation, um, mm. which has been my issue. And so my breakfast is very, again, focused on energy, morning energy, but also on gut health and helping to support that. So um, my go to at the moment, and I've just hooked on this, is some really thick, delicious Greek yogurt with some chia seeds, some flax seeds, some hulled hemp seeds. So lots of, you know, omega-3 and fiber and choline and so forth in there. And then um, I put some berries and then I will often put in a berry powder. So there's something called Hascat berries, which is amazing for your skin, very good antioxidant. They're like blueberries, they're Canadian blueberries, but they're sort of supercharged antioxidants. Yeah. Or dragon fruit um, powder, the pig pitaya, which is just delicious and it makes it look really pretty. And, you know, it's also really good for your skin. Um, so it makes oh, I'm gonna have feel... that. I'm gonna have a go with that. I love stuff for the skin. Um, I'm gonna have a look at that. Dragon fruit powder, I've never heard of this before. Yeah, it's great. It's called pink pitaya. So dragon fruit you can buy in waitress yeah, yeah, and things yeah, now. Course. But yeah. um, this is it's delicious. It's slightly sort of sherbety berry flavor. It's really, really nice. Um, and then I put a sprinkle. Um, and this is just literally we've lived off this for my husband and I for, for breakfast for <laughs> far too long. I need to change up. 
we had this blend of sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, goji berries and raw cacao nibs. Ooh, lovely. Really nice. And it just gives that extra crunch. It gives the extra antioxidants, a um, little bit of chocolate. I'm hooked on chocolate um, in the morning and it's just a delicious. And sometimes I'll put chopped banana, sometimes I'll put berries, depending on fruit, you know, fruit, seasonal fruit. But that's pretty much what I have most days now I will have eggs sometimes etc but generally that's my go-to yeah and it's super quick and easy it is yeah and all of I think powders can be so um incredible for um ease and quickness they're store covered ingredients and as you said you can supercharge so many meals with a little bit of extra flavor but also those antioxidants and other benefits amazing yeah um, and do you sell that on your um on nature docs the shop that particular we don't at the moment we are um we we've had a phenomenal year this year we've been had a lot going on um so we hope to increase our SKUs, which is the number of oh. stock things that we stock next yeah. year. So these are things that I'd like to put in. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Incredible. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the creation of your uh, Nature Doc, the clinic, and you know how you came about working. Well, predominantly your focus is sort of pediatric nutrition and sort of for younger children. And so tell us a little bit about the creation of that and your story. Yeah, so um, I've got three kids and I was always absolutely fascinated in being able to provide the best nutrition for their development and mental health and general health. Um, And, you know, we, you know, we had a few ups and downs along the way um, and, you know, just little challenges to sort of try and overcome. So our eldest has got dyspraxia and ADD. Our middle one got bitten by a tick and developed Lyme's disease. And our little one had casmot protein allergies. So we've, you know, they're all great now. They're all phenomenal. Um, And two of adults now, one's a mid-teen. and you know they're great but you know so but there wasn't that much you know there were a few books but this was before remember I'm pretty ancient so this is before (laughs) you know Instagram and things existed um and blogging and so forth so yeah you know um so there was a I learned as much as I could and I just realized it was just so many people were drawn to me you know it was like you know the school gate oh little Jimmy's got snuffly nose all the time or so-and-so's eczema's got out of control or whatever it might be so I was really drawn to that so I sort of started building a practice just on my own you know mummy hours you know juggling you know what it's like juggling yes, it all I do. <laughs> <laughs> yours are tiny at the moment um and yeah and then about six years ago my husband said this is getting you know your waiting list is over six months we you've got to do something about this you know do you put up your prices or what do we do and she I said well I'd like to build a team because mm-hmm. you know I'd like to be able to reach more kids more parents so that's what we did and um I also had a dream to write a book um and he said you've got to put the team in before you even think about that um but actually it all happened almost at once so I got an email from this gorgeous publisher he said I love your blog would you consider writing a book and you know said it all came together so basically I thought we'd be a team of two or three and we're now a team of 23. Incredible and 
I love that that it started at the you know that people really just getting drawn to you and at the school gates just your knowledge even I I think I've messaged you about a thousand times being like who's Otis what's going on um (laughs) help me um because Otis had you know severe eczema Dusty's had certain things and you've been so um so helpful and I think that's it's a very overwhelming time when you're a new parent and actually when you're a parent at any stage and all you want is the best for your children and it feels so overwhelming sometimes knowing what to do do you just go down the allopathic route so just the medicine route or as you you mentioned in the beginning of your book you sort of is there another way another thing we can we can look at and you that really inspiring story about your son where through probiotics and all the amazing work you were doing his IQ jumped 20 points didn't it or yeah um, absolutely yeah incredible so um amazing um and those you've got your your second books come out now which um which is a bit more baby food led isn't it and actually how um how that in itself is so overwhelming with the baby food and not necessarily just going for the packets but thinking you know there's some really tasty amazing stuff that you can make and you can't believe it's baby food and that's sort of um amazing think of how you you know you mentioned you've helped Four years ago in your book, you said 2,000 children. So now that must be, and that was in 2018. So gosh, you must have helped so many families over the years. It's incredible. I think we've now got about 6,300 6, families or something that we look after. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, so it it varies from, you know, is it eczema to, you mentioned Lyme disease. Is it just a huge array of different things that you focus on? So um, the way the team's divided is um, we've we've sort of got four main teams. Mm. So we've got sort of women's health and hormones, which is very much your bag. Um, And um, that obviously includes teenage girls as well. Um, And then we've got a kind of autoimmunity, long COVID, sort of more complex, which could be men, you know, any age, really. Yeah. Uh, Then we have uh, the baby and toddler team. So that's really helping with weaning and those sort of early years, immunity, gut health, things like that. And then we've got this neurodevelopmental team for kids with ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, autism, sensory processing, etc. But, you know, because we're all mums and we've all experienced a lot of these things, you know, actually we can tie it all together. So very often, you know, you might start with one child, but then end up looking after mum, dad, great aunt. Yeah, everyone is, you know. in between. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's so powerful, um, the power of food and nutrition and lifestyle. Amazing. And on that subject, you do my bag. And that's sort of what I think I'm really interested to talk to you about today. Hormones and young hormones. Um, if we're looking at young hormones during puberty, you know, what is the one thing you wish more people knew about that? And can we support that shift, particularly sort of young girls? I know so much about helping women in their sort of, you know, later 20s, 30s, menopause, PCOS, but actually that that younger shift of hormones in the puberty years, what's the one thing that you wish more people knew about that shift and how we can support it? So... You know, we always think of puberty as something that probably occurs in girls from the age of 11. Yeah. Okay. However, we're seeing more and more girls who are getting their period at nine and have actually started puberty as early as five or six in terms of underarm smells, little pimples, etc. 
So this is something that, um, you know, girls are tending to go through puberty earlier and boys slightly later. Gosh, so do we know, do you have theories as to why that might be? I think I've heard stuff about light can have a thing. But is, do you have any thoughts on why that could be, why it's changing? I think the biggest driver is microplastics. Right, okay. So, um, you know, more and more research is finding that microplastics, the body stores them. Um, you know, they find, you know, it's one of those things that once you're exposed, it's quite difficult to clear. Okay. Um, and they build up in the system. And so, you know, even, gosh, was it was a month or two months ago, a paper came out about the first time they'd found microplastics in breast milk. Gosh, so for those listening, how, just to explain what microplastics are, those are just plastics that have ended up into the food, um, ended up sort of, so explain what that um, what that actually is. Yes, so microplastics, we use a lot of plastic these days. Mm. So that could be anything from cling film, you know, almost every food you buy, whether it's an organic apple or whatever, is, you know, in a plastic bag. Isn't yeah, it? yeah or there's some sort of plastic coating. Yeah. Um, and then things like till receipts of plasticized. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got, you know, water bottles, people are drinking, you know, people are buying water and drinking their plastic bottles. Um, so the exposure is incredibly high. Now, if that's heated, so plastics, you know, like you've got a plastic and storage yeah, Tupperware, yeah, yeah. and you put it in the microwave over and over again, that's going to, you know, there's going to a little bit of plastics are going to get into. Yeah. So things like, you know, if you're um, if you're using hand creams, that can also help you absorb the plastics through your yeah. skin. Hand sa so sanitizer can, can't it? In particular, I, I've heard if you put hand sanitizer. Potentially, potentially, and, yeah, yes. And then, so yeah, your hand sanitizer. Um, and then you pick up the receipt and, you know, you crunkle it up and, you know, whatever. And, you know, that you're, you're crunkling the plastic into your skin, you know, and of course the skin's super absorbent. Um, so these microplastics, you know, they're also in, you know, our food chain massively because animals are, you know, consuming these things too. So it's thought that the average human in the Western world is now ingesting the equivalent of credit card size of plastic each week. Each week? my goodness that's madness and mm -hmm. that's the impact on the endocrine system and how that's going to disrupt it no wonder young women are reaching puberty at a younger age and so interestingly so men and um, boys tend to um, reach puberty at a later age that's interesting because these plastics are, as you said, endocrine disruptors, which yeah. means that they will disrupt the pathways in the body that regulate estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, yeah. etc. And because these mimic more estrogen dominance, mm. get more. So this is why some of the boys are, you know, struggling maybe with look at becoming more male. You know what I mean? That they yeah. tend to be small and slim and quite meek rather than you know and then they can't catch up with their big rugby mates now that might just be their trajectory and there's you know it may be in their genetics and so yeah. forth but I think what it is is when that doesn't necessarily fit with your family genetics yeah. you know if you've got a family of rugby players and then you've got this very slight meek little chap who doesn't kind of fit maybe there might be something going on yeah uh, so you know I'm not saying that's it's always that, of course, but it's something to consider. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we can all do, you know, we all know microplastics are not good for our fish and for our oceans and so forth. So I think just choosing things like paper bags mm. for, you know, putting sandwiches in or yeah. using, um, you know, using um, Pyrex, um, you know, storage things and, you know, those sorts of things, looking at bits of parchment paper for storing things and you know you're just even putting a saucer on top of a bowl rather than the cling film yeah just little things like that can be really helpful and just try you know if we can go to these eco shops and so forth and you know rather and just you know, refill our jars rather than to always buy a new plastic thing but it's really really hard to avoid them entirely but it's just something that I think more and more people are aware and I think over time plastic will be, you know, the new smoking or whatever, you know, people will be yeah. very, very, you know, they will find ways around avoiding plastic and, you know, because they're doing it for the environment, but they're also needing to do it for the health. Absolutely. Those little paper bags are my fave. I get them in, you can get them in Waitrose and they sort of pull out and Yes. all sort of stuff in there and I actually when I have a bowl of soup I managed to wedge one over the bowl <laughs> instead of a saucer they're great and they're so good for snacks and those little changes they really can make a difference can't they and I suppose if we do have young ladies young boys in that age to be would you say that's we all should be conscious of it, but if you're to be particularly conscious, it's at that really sort of those formative years when we want to try and reduce plastic exposure. And I, I suppose products as well, obviously, because products and what we're putting on the skin, how we're washing their hair, because I'm sure we, we know that that can have an impact later in life, particularly with my PCOS clients, for example, and the types of products, sunscreens as well, because it's so important to protect their skin. But there's a lot of chemicals which could be damaging as well in those products. Would you say that that's a big area to focus on too? Yes. Yeah, so obviously, teenage girls like to feel they're using the same products as their friends, which can be very hard. You know, yeah. FOMO is very, very strong. Yeah. However, actually, not many of their friends will be seeing their shower every day. You know, they're, you know what I mean? So actually it's thinking what can I put in say their Christmas stocking um, that looks cool you know is natural and actually a lot of them do like the natural idea as yeah, well yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of them are drawn to that so you know there's faith in nature there's spots and stripes you know there's some really lovely teen and tween products out there um, yeah. that you know they that are you know much more natural yeah. Um, and I think, you know, educating them on these things can make a massive difference. Um, and, um, you know, so and that gets puts in habits, doesn't it? So yeah. once they are independent, so they're at university or working, they'll be able to kind of, you know, they, they'll just choose those things above above the more more toxic options. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really, really, really key. And so it's just things that you can do to say, OK, you know, I'm going to try and seek out some really good natural because they're getting better and better. Yeah. You know, the, the quality. Um, Walida doing that Calandula baby wash is so lovely. I still use that with Otis and Dusty and I used it when they were little. And I use it sometimes because it smells divine. And actually, I suppose if mm. you're using the products, they sort of young girls who want to be a bit more adult what they see 
is what they might do themselves as well. So all making the switch a little bit with um, products which are better. But as you said, there's some actually ones specifically for teens, which are are great. And I'm sure they've come on leaps and bounds because there's people are slightly more aware, I suppose, when your little ones were. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I'm not saying you're ancient like you said because you're not. But I suppose <laughs> they've, come, they've come on quite a lot in terms of the options. Uh, which Absolutely, really they have. Yeah, fab. And I suppose another subject which is you're so passionate about, which could also be driving issues hormonally and for other reasons, is ultra-processed food. And you're such an advocate of cooking from scratch, as I am, as we are nutritionists, of course. So let's talk a little bit about that and your thoughts on it and how it's impacting our younger generation. So... Ultra-processed foods, which I'll explain what they are in a minute, have been around forever. You know, my mum used to give me Angel Delight, you know, and all those joyous things. I remember the the butterscotch one. I remember that primary school. I can can remember the taste. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we've always had these ultra-processed foods around. The trouble is our shopping trolleys have gone from probably 15, 20% ultra-processed foods to more like... 52 54 and some school lunches they found in primary schools is sort of 72 percent and in secondary schools sort of 78 percent ultra processed gosh and what does this mean so basically there are four types of food um in terms of category in terms of processing so um and it you know so it depends how processed they are essentially the least, the less processed the food is, the healthier it's going to be for you. Mm-hmm. So an example might be eating an apple. Okay. Yep. We all know an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Mm-hmm. Whether there's any evidence behind that, I'm not sure. But still, you know, we all know apples instinctively are very good for us. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you're going to have apple juice, now it's still probably got some vitamin C in there. It's probably been in the carton for two years. It's probably been quite refined, but essentially, you know, it's still apple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the second layer of processing. The third pro- layer of processing would be something you would do at home or from a shop, which might be to make an apple pie. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's got lovely apple in it, but it's got some flour, it's got some sugar, it's, you know, etc. So that's made it delicious and yummy, but probably slightly less healthy, but nice thing to have a Sunday lunch. OK, yeah. so, OK, but it's still proper food. And then you've got the Betty Crocker low fat vegan apple <laughs> strudel or whatever from the supermarket yeah. that when you look at the label has got 24 ingredients. Yeah. And apples probably two percent of the whole yeah. thing, and the rest are things like natural flavorings, you know, thickness, um, preservatives, yeah. emulsifiers, etc. And those are ultra processed ingredients. And the trouble is, the body doesn't recognize those as food quite mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah, and they can drive something called inflammation, and inflammation is the thing that drives polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, yep. fibroids, you know, painful periods, all the things that we're trying to avoid for our little women. Okay, mm-hmm. so the trouble is because they're so ultra available, they're ultra palatable. So each product that is sold in the supermarket will have had hundreds of thousands of pounds spent on it to make it taste 
perfect. Yeah. You know, to be perfectly crunchy, perfectly tasty. And basically those natural flavorings in those products don't just ping the taste bugs. They also ping the brain and they say, eat more, more, more. And that's why it's almost impossible to eat, you know, just a few crisps out of a packet. You end up yeah. eating the whole lot. I can vouch they, for that. <laughs> we can yeah. all vouch for that because okay. <laughs> and, it's, and it's totally out of our control. Yeah. Basically, the control has been put in the hands of the food manufacturers because they know how to make this food addictive. Absolutely. And there's, you know, so Chris Van Tulliken, who is this, you know, doctor on the telly, he did a documentary a year or two about this, a year ago about this, and he ate ultra processed foods only for a month. And he did brain scans before and after and had actually changed his whole brain. And he still says it's, you know, even though he's eating good food now, you know, the brain structure has changed and we don't know if it's permanent or not. But, you know, still it's scary. Yeah. The ultra processed foods are not, A, they're addictive, so you eat a lot more of them. But B, they're very highly processed flour very highly processed sugars. So even if it doesn't have sugar in it, there will be fruit concentrates and other forms of sugar in there. Mm. And this disrupts the blood sugars. And, you know, we'll all have learned from you over and over again that blood sugars are so important to get right if you want to control your hormones. So um, the trouble is, you know, our girls love these foods. They just do. And they're easily available. They're cheap, you know, and when they want to be independent and buy their own food, you know, these are the things they're going to buy. However, I think educating them to at least balance them with other things. So it might be crisps with hummus. You know, it might be, um, yes, um, you know, have some crackers, put some peanut butter on them um, mm -hmm. or some cream cheese. So to balance that sugar high, that carb hit with something fatty and protein rich. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and also really work on their three meals a day. Now, lunch might be out of your control, especially during the term time and school lunches. Don't get me there. I mean, I don't. There are only probably about five schools in the whole country who can do it properly. Um, but basically, if you could, I'm, sometimes they're not even hungry at breakfast. And that can be a sign of low zinc, which is really, really, really important for teenage girls. But that's another subject. But basically, if they have low appetite at breakfast, it may be they need zinc. And zinc's important for hormones yeah. um, and skin and all sorts of things. Um, but um, so if you can focus in on a really good breakfast and if they're not hungry at that point, give them a really big smoothie that they can have in their bag and maybe slurp at break time um, and to provide amazing snacks when they get back from school. So that could be like a platter of nuts and dried fruit and or hummus and crudite or whatever it might be. So yes, they might eat the packet of biscuits or the crisps as well but they'll also have the good stuff so I'm not I totally realistic when it comes to this you know as I said been through it got two teens one that's just hopped out the other side he's 21 but you know they you know they love these foods so you don't take them away but what you do is you supercharge the rest so that actually that crowds out so they have slightly less of yeah. of the ultra processed foods absolutely and I say even to my clients, and it must be the same, it isn't about being perfect. And they are going to eat these foods, but it's absolutely what great advice, supercharge the rest of the stuff. Um, and you, you hit on blood sugar balance, which is a huge thing that um, I focus on, predominantly because I work with hormones. It is the one of the leading drivers of hormonal dysfunction. So mm. is that as important 
in the teenage years and, you know, um, as children, um, I suppose a child could deal with glucose in a slightly better way versus when we're older? Or is it just as important throughout the whole childhood to really focus on that styling your starches, which I call it as in always making sure there's a bit of protein and fat alongside that carb. What's the importance of blood sugar balance in your opinion for children and young adults? Well, I think obviously some kids are great. They've got very robust, you know, genetically very strong ability to balance blood sugars. Mm -hmm. However, I guess, you know, the Girl, young girls that we see in the clinic tend to be the ones that are super sensitive to sugar. So they might have ADHD, they might have sensory processing, they might get very hangry. Mm. They've come because of their hormone imbalance. Um, they've, you know, they found they've got polycystic ovarian syndrome. They found, you know, they've got a fibroid or whatever it might be. So I guess the cohort we see are the ones that are going to be more sensitive than the average population. Mm, interesting. Um, but I do think that um, if they find it very difficult to wait for a meal or they're very ratty or they lose focus mid-morning, mm-hmm. you know, so that, you know, the school is saying, you know, I think they need to be on some medication for ADHD because, you know, they're just drifting off in the middle of lessons mid-morning. It could well be a blood sugar thing because we know what insulin resistance does insulin resistance means that you know you usually get a bit of a high after eating something sugary and then you get a big fat low and that can be two hours later and if you have breakfast at say 7 30 then 9 30 10 could well be the time where you know you're you're not focusing and that will be seen as an adhd thing rather than a blood sugar thing so i think the one thing we do with the kids you know neurodiverse kids is we always work on blood sugar as the first thing. So we, yeah. they're the ones that are generally quite sensitive to blood sugars and also crave the, the sugar high because it gives them a dopamine hit. Yeah, interesting. And isn't it with children whose concentration might not be on point versus say their classmates, the first thing we tend to think of as medication when actually we just taking a look at what could have been the blood sugar roller coaster ride. And that's a really mm. good bit of advice as to what are they having for breakfast? Is it a sugary bowl of cereal with no protein, with no good quality fats? Um, and that could be really influencing their concentration, how they're learning and their behavior ultimately. Um, it's so fascinating. And so all of the stuff I work with sort of women who are older all of this applies to that younger generation. And would you say, because PCOS being a specialism of mine, would you say you're seeing more of it in clinic with younger women or um, people are being diagnosed with it younger or is have you noticed anything or, or not with the PCOS? Interestingly. I think it's very difficult with the mid-teens. Mm. It's still finding are... its way, isn't it, the, the periods potentially. So, yeah. And what very often happens is because their skin's not necessarily that good and, you know, their periods are out of sync, mm-hmm. um, that very often, you know, the doctor will just say, oh, go on the pill, go on yeah. the contraceptive pill. And, of course, that can help on you know at that point, but it's not necessarily going to get to the root cause. So very often they don't actually do that scan to find the PCOS. And it's only usually later on where the acne is persistent or, you know, they're getting little hairs or, you know, a little bit of balding 
or d- difficulty controlling their weight yeah. um, and mood and so forth, that then it gets investigated more. So I think there's probably a lot of soft signs of polycystic ovarian syndrome, but not necessarily di- diagnosed at this stage. Yeah. They just know that, you know, the skin's not right, the mood's not right, the periods aren't quite right, but they haven't gone to the lengths of having, you know, the full investigations because there are long waiting lists you know yeah absolutely um, and with covid and things everything's been very delayed so there's a sort of but i would say that if you feel your child your daughter specifically is sensitive to sugar or very very dependent on sugar or very high carb foods the may and their periods or their hormones seem to be a little bit charged or out of sync then that may it may not be fully pcos if no but it may be heading towards that kind of Pathology. That picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked a little bit about concentration. So exams, a big thing for parents and probably as big for parents as it is for the young children. And it can be an extremely stressful time potentially. But is there anything that you think is worth introducing into the routine, you know, certain foods or things you can do to support that exam time and give it a bit more of a positive spin in terms of maybe what they're eating or doing? So I'd actually go because these are periods of time where, well, sometimes they're long periods of time. So something like GCSEs and A-levels are two years each. So it's actually a four year period as such. But you know what I mean? Ah! Uh, But, you know, but there are moments where there's more stress than less stress, you know, depending on, you know, mocks and so forth and revision. Um, But actually, my favourite supplement, I'm going to talk about this because I know it's quite difficult to get the diet 100 mm. percent and sometimes you just need something that's easy um and one of my favorite supplements for these young women is something called saffron so saffron is obviously the spice that's in paella yes um, golden saffron yes mm. and um so there have been studies to find that saffron compared with methylphenidate which is the medication for adhd mm. is equal in terms of effect without the side effects of yeah so it's that you know the the research is very strong um saffron is also a really good sort of adaptogen for women's hormones wow. so it, you know people you know of indian descent southeast asian descent will often take saffron to help with painful periods pmt etc so it's one of those ones that might just help that sort of hormonal stressy young lady who's struggling. Mm. Um, another one which I absolutely love is something called inositol mm. or myo-inositol. One of my favorite. I use it nearly with all my clients. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. So it works on the serotonin pathway. So it perks up the mood. You know, you've got that moody teenager. You know, we all got, we all know that sort of pout, don't we? Um, <laughs> what was it, um, Kevin? Yeah, the Harry and yeah, the Ke- Kevin, the Kevin, exactly. <laughs> but um, you know, so I think that anositol really helps with that sort of low mood. Mm-hmm. Also helps with that sort of anxiety, OCD. So if you think about it, very often, you know, the, these young ladies become quite particular on well, what they will and won't eat or will or won't do, you know, or quite controlling, or maybe it might be over exercise or under eating or very selective eating, you know, so going towards that skew of being very control of what they eat. 
Um, but also inositol is incredibly important for blood sugar balance. Mm. Um, so brilliant for that sort of whole PCOS kind yeah. of picture. Um, and it's just great for sort of mood overall. I and so easy great. to take. It's sort of just in water. And do, can you can hide it? Would you would you ever hide it in food or um, just take it in water? So usually once, you know, once a child has got to 12 or whatever, they can swallow a capsule, no problem. Yeah. So yeah. obviously that's sort of easier. But the great thing about inositol is it's slightly sweet. Yeah. So it hides beautifully in water. It, you know, you can open it up, put in their yogurt, fruit puree, even though they're cereal, their smoothie. So even if, you know, they're a bit reluctant to begin with, you could give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. I put all kinds of stuff in Otis and Dusty's porridge in the morning without them knowing to give it a little boost. Um, but that's some great tips. Yeah, I didn't say that pathway of serotonin with myositol a really lovely tip for those going through that period um and what about those when they've done the exams they're heading to uni flying the nest my gosh that must be um probably even more emotional for for those left at home and the nest seems empty but there it's probably quite a scary shift for some I don't know or you know what would you recommend for those sort of family members heading off to uni do you obviously there's probably the immune system you want to support with freshers week <laughs> yeah and all those things going around um so let you know talk a little bit about that leap to uni so, yes, yeah, so my daughter's just started at uni. So, you know, she's been through freshers. And, yeah, she did take her little stash of nature.goodies with her. I love that. Um, so, yeah, she just said, you know what, I took a gap year. I haven't studied for a year. I think I need some help with my focus. So she's on our Link Nutrition Brain Food. Um, yes, I did give her some liver support for her freshers and some immune support. She's had a bit of a low grade cold most of term, but she does go out a lot. She is burning the candle both ends. She's having lots of fun. Brilliant. So, but the great thing is, I know she's eating well. She loves her food. She's learned how to cook. She chooses, she doesn't like sort of the really stodgy foods anyway. She's a bit like me. We, we've got the same blood type. We're both O blood type. We just, just loves her meat and fish and lots of veg you know yeah. she's just you know great so she she you know she self-catered and I think that's great because then she again she's able to choose what she's eating so yeah I just think it's it's giving them wings let them let them fly but you know if they need a bit of support they hopefully come back to you I think it's quite you know listen that first couple of weeks is hard she said you know I'm clubbing with people I don't know and I've just got to sit there smiling you know and you know she said you know you know you sort of everyone's pretending they're having fun but actually we're all sitting there going I want to go to bed I'm tired <laughs> exactly but you know it all happens and yeah you know and then when they do come home for reading week in the holidays you sort of need to sort of nourish them even more absolutely um some fab advice there thank you and I think in terms of what you deem health is, as a really lovely line from one of your books that you think health boils down to happiness at the end of the day, which I absolutely adore because that's the sort of foundations of the work I do, that we need to harness your happiness to also support your health. And it's sort of a loop system. The happier you are, the healthier you are, then the healthier you are, the happier you can be because everything feeds into everything so on the subject of say happiness and joy if you're having a stressful day 
what do you do to spark joy? We've got your cold showers in the morning, which I promise I'm going to have a go tomorrow, even though it's um, pretty chilly. I'm going to have a go. But what else do you do? Um, is it walking, music, dancing, creativity? What tends to spark joy for you? I think probably a walk on my own, which sounds very selfish, but away from everybody listening yeah. to a really good podcast. Um, I love a really lovely long warm bath. And that's what I used to do when the kids were little. You know, that was my sort of sanctuary, with, you know, before going to bed. Because also I knew I didn't have time in the morning to have the shower. Yeah. Because they'd be <laughs> pouncing into bed, you know, at whatever hour in the morning. And it was just like you didn't have any time to yourself. Um, less so at the moment because we're cutting back on hot water. But, you know, um, I love that. Um, and probably just reading a really good book. Um, most of them are wellness books of some sort because I'm quite geeky. But, you know, I'm learning to read novels and other books. Yeah. So that's my sort of journey is not to just focus in on, on nutrition. Um, but, yeah, no, I love all that sort of thing. And I love to cook as well. You know, that's one of my joys and create recipes. Yeah, your recipes are incredible. Your tahini bread recipe is just one of my fa- For anyone who doesn't um is trying to minimize gluten or avoid it that it's quite hard to get a good recipe that tahini bread recipe is amazing uh, there are so many good ones over your books um that feature a lot um but honestly it's just so wonderful being able to talk to you so fascinating and it's such an interesting um way of looking at it we have to support these young children and this younger generation and just little tweets could have huge impact so if there are potentially as you said behavioral things or concentration or you know ratty mood or something going on don't just first look to something like medication let's take a look at what they're eating and what they're doing Mm. um so interesting um I'd love to hear that um we're off to the desert island disco I get all my guests to tell me what they (laughs) would take you know I love a disco um and if you were off to the desert island disco you could take one song with you one product that you stock at nature doc shop online and say one family meal um what would you take to the desert island disco this isn't such a disco song but it's just very relevant to to our conversation today it's your disco lucinda you take whatever you want to take (laughs) so i just always cry whenever i listen to slipping through those my fingers by abba Oh, interesting curveball. I wasn't going to expect that. Interesting. Oh, nice. And it's all about, you know, school bag in hand, you know, and it's sort of, you know, the whole thing about the the daughter leaving you, you know, and it's just, you know, Mamma Mia does it just so beautifully, the film. So I just, that's the one that always, I'm just, it's me and my daughter's song, basically. I love that. Um, Have you gone to see the, vo- is it Voyage, the ABBA Voyage, um, Voyage Voyage? That looks insane. I haven't seen it, but. The- I'd love to. I've got to. I've got to. One of those things, once I'm not working all the time, then maybe we'll <laughs> yeah. get on. One day, one day, Lucinda. And then one product, what would be the number one you're, that you would take to the Desert Island Disco? Well, the thing that really keeps me going is um, this amazing product called Link Nutrition Brain Food. Mm. Um, it's got lion's mane, bacopa, B vitamins, zinc, magnesium in it. And it just really helps my brain to be focused and, you know, to get, you know, just to, you know, and I, I feel very calm on it. And I just feel it's just one of those things that I just love. So that would be that. Um, and your meal? 
Well, I'm just absolutely adore sort of roast veggies, salmon, probably with a lovely kind of harissa dressing, Ooh. and then probably like a quinoa or collie rice kind of side with kind of pomegranates and pistachios and and sort of parsley. You know, sort of I, I love sort of Moroccan and sort of Lebanese and sort of Persian food. Yeah, delicious. Wow. Um, can I come? That sounds divine. <laughs> <laughs> sounds delicious. Um, well, thank you so much, Lucinda. It's so so interesting. I know everyone listening will um, be as thankful as I am. So thank you so so much for joining me. It's been lovely. Thank you so much, Hannah. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Hannah Alderson, nutritionist and founder of The Positive Method, the life-changing program to balance hormones, positively lose weight for good and find happiness. So if you feel a little overwhelmed when it comes to food, your hormones, if you feel trapped in yo-yo diet culture, craving more energy, confidence and positivity, why not drop me a line to book in your free discovery call? You can do this at hello at hannahalderson.com or head over to my website www.hannahalderson.com to find out a little bit more about me, the work I do and how you can start your positive journey working with me one-to-one. Or if you're more of a community kind of girl, you might be interested in my private members club, the Positive Method Club, which is home to my sellout group program. Inside, you'll learn all about nutrition, the six pillars of the Positive Method, and do it alongside a group of like-minded women on the same journey. We are stronger together, and that is why the club is so special. All the deets can be found at www.thepositivemethodclub.com. Keep up with my antics on Instagram at Hannah Alderson Nutrition and keep an eye out for the next episode of the Positive Method podcast right here. Thank you so much again for listening. Wishing you the most fabulous day.